Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name's Brandon. That's Matt. Man, I got to get back into hockey mode. I'm not going to lie. I uh, <laughs> My girlfriend's actually... Did you watch Game of Thrones? I did, yes. So, I, I actually, my girlfriend was just watching the episode of Game of Thrones where the Viper, the guy from Dorne, gets killed and gets his head squished. And I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little thrown off, man. I'm not. That's, that's not like the best thing to watch before coming on a podcast. <laughs> like what a, he was spoilers. one of my first characters too. Anyway, oh yeah, spoiler. Dude, Isn't that like one of the first like, episodes? No, it's like season four, but that's like seven or oh, eight really? now. So if you haven't seen it, sorry for spoiling. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's only one of the most popular TV shows of all time. Right. Also, man, House of the Dragon. We should. Uh, we could. We could talk about that too. Have you? Have you I. I. So I have not watched House of Dragons. Uh, definitely worth it man the last the ending of game of thrones really burnt me out totally understandable totally and understandable. i just i just I don't was, care i was wary going into it it's a banger man and and i don't think there's as much opportunity for them to let us down considering this entire story is written which is a blessing and a curse because i know everything that happens but like one of the first big scenes was the finale i won't spoil this one and i was a little worried you know going into it i was like this is the first big scene that like, I know what happens kind of thing, but they didn't let me down there. So I'm, I'm very happy with the show. And I, I think you should give it a chance, but anyway, let's actually talk about some Kane's hockey. Sorry. I, you know, a little opening rant, totally going off the rails there. We but, can talk uh, about nerd shit. Hey, well, sometimes, I mean, honestly, with the way the schedule's working right now, it's not like we have like a ton to talk about really. I mean, we got, I, I feel like we've been waiting for games a lot, like ever since the season or yeah, ever since the season started and, you know, the Hurricanes are on a, what, Monday to Friday break right now? Four days. You don't get a whole lot of those during the regular season. So we're kind of, you know, in a little bit of a lull. But we do have an, a three and four actually coming up this weekend, all against Metropolitan Division teams. So that's definitely something we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and also, we'll go over the two games that we we did see played since the Hurricane, or since we last meet, I should say. Um, obviously, we had the win in Vancouver to round out the road trip. And then we also had the loss in Calgary Calgary overtime loss took me a second yeah overtime loss so you know I, I guess we'll start there and and something I touched on a little bit last week is we maybe take for granted that the Hurricanes seem to always do so well on this like really tough early season road trip so like part of me was like man I didn't really love the way the Hurricanes played in any of those last few games but at the same time 
they still end up going three, one and one on the road trip on the West coast, played a couple really good hockey teams, even though they lost to both of them. I'd say you definitely take what seven out of a possible 10 points there. So I, I don't think there's a ton to take away just on a general level from that road trip, just because it is so early in the season and things can and will change. But this is another thing we talked about a lot last week. Gotta love the way Andre Sveshnikov and Martin Natchez are playing right now. Um, I think the defense is is kind of working out some kinks, especially up top with guys like Brent Burns. Not really. He's had moments. And he's he's scoring uh, or, or chipping in offensively. He's He's got all assists so far. He doesn't have his first goal as a hurricane yet, but he's still kind of trying to find his footing with the hurricanes. Definitely haven't seen what the best I think that we're going to see out of Brent Burns yet. And I don't honestly think we've seen the best out of the second pairing yet either. So, so I think especially on the blue line, we're, we're still seeing some guys kind of getting their legs under them. And then even up front, you got guys like Tavo Teravainen that like really hasn't looked like Teravainen yet. Um, the third line, I think is, is starting to come along a little bit after a slower start. And then, yeah, it's just obviously going for one and one this early in the season is a really good thing when you take into account that so many guys I don't think are playing at their best yet and are still trying to find their footing. So that's my early takeaways. And it's encouraging that all four of their wins have been against teams that they should beat. Like everybody, I, I saw a lot of memes about it on, on Kane's Twitter on Monday night, like when it was announced, like what, who Vancouver would be missing. Uh, I think it was our, our buddy, Nick, uh, who, who tweeted, Vancouver's in shambles and they're without like three players tonight. I'm betting the entire house on Vancouver (laughs) or something like that. But I was like, man, it's so true. Like that's the type of game you would expect the Canes to lose. And they didn't. Absolutely. End of a long road trip. Like how many times have they lost at the end of a super long road trip like that? They normally how many times have they lost to a team that they should beat the hell out of? Sure. That too. That's that's just hockey for you, man. And you know, you would have liked to have seen a better effort against the uh, Oilers. I think that was of the two losses. That's the one that was the most painful, I think. And it was so sloppy. And Andre, it was just an ugly game from both teams. Nobody played defense. Neither goalie looked all that great. Um, The Calgary game was disappointing. The power play definitely let the Canes down in that game. But you have to also think, you know, the Canes didn't look all that great at even strength, and neither did the Flames. It was just a tightly contested defensive game. So there's a lot to like from the Flames game. I think uh, something that's been kind of underrated is I think the Canes knew fourth line of Stasny, Stepan, and uh, Nason has been really good offensively these past two games. They've had two goals, but both disallowed. Yeah, right. The, the, um, I I do want to talk about the, the goal against uh, Vancouver because that one's frustrating to me. And it nearly swept the game too, because you go from two, nothing to one to one, and then it ends up being a one goal game kind of tightly. Yeah. And like, so, I'll get to that in a bit because I, I do want to I do want to finish with my takeaways. I think people getting mad at Brent Burns for being on a 55 point pace is a little weird. Like <laughs> he has four assists in six games. Yeah, I, I think sure all of five. them have been. What'd you say? I think it's, isn't it five? They took away his one assist like uh, yesterday morning. Well, that's dumb. Yeah, 
but um the other thing is like yes they've been secondary assists but burns is still contributing offensively and he's only going to get better he's also and, second on the team in shots and goal one yeah like he's contributing offensively i don't know what more he can do i think with 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 the hurricanes and the way their expectations work he actually leads the team in ice time as well yeah nothing well, is good enough for <laughs> for some people and i mean he's a minus matt <laughs> whereas brett pesci is a or yeah brett pesci is a hilarious plus nine to start the hey. year and Shea is a plus eight. And, and again, and like I, said, I don't even of... think they've played like that well, but they're just that good that I guess my expectations are a little skewed. But anyway. It's just one of those things where, you know, this team has been really good. And I think this this upcoming weekend will be the biggest test for the team because you've got an Islanders team that's been pretty good this year, I think. Um, York, obviously, they're, they're beating the Rangers as we record. Second intermission, one nothing. Uh, you love to see it. Sorokin's really good. Um, <laughs> He's got a 30 save in two period shutout going right now. You go to uh, Philly the next night and Philly's going to be a tough team to play against because it's torts. And then Washington on Monday, and that's going to be a big game as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of just very interesting uh, takeaways from these four or from these three games. Yeah, and I definitely think I want to kind of individually get into those games and break them down a little bit here shortly. But we should go back to that goal against just like a little bit because not the goal. It wasn't a goal against, or excuse me, the goal disallowed. I should say. Um, and and this is a very tired conversation that we don't know what goaltender interference is, but at the same time, it just keeps happening. So like, are we just supposed to ignore it? That's probably what the league wants us to do. And I don't want to do that, man. The NHL needs to have a, like, more concrete definition of what goalie interference is. Because if your fans don't understand it and it changes from game to game, like... How hard would it be to, over the summer, no games going on, have, like, a, what, three or four day forum? Or, like, not even forum, but... class take every freaking official go somewhere well no the the issue isn't figure what the hell out like figure out what the hell it is say this is what goaltender interference is break it all down break all this break down all the scenarios or at least as many of them as you can come up with because i'm sure more will spring up but figure out what it is and enforce it make it known this is what the rule is like it's issue enough there's too much room for subjectivity like well, that's that's the that's a rule book issue that's not the official's fault well, right the issue right. is that's that important. in the in the nhl rule book there's so much room to for, abstract. yeah right yeah so, so there's just so much room for inferring information or being subjective when the nhl all they need to do is just write a concrete <laughs> definition of what goalie interference is right and i, I mean if you look at that play and I was talking to, um, you know, the NHL watcher guy during that game. And he was, or, I mean, just over Twitter and not really talking to him. But I just said, what, like, what is your take as an unbiased watcher right. on play? And he's like, that's, I mean, to me, that's a good goal. Like, I don't, and, yeah. and the question I have is like, what is Stasny supposed to do there? He's going to the crease to fight for a puck share. 
And he, maybe, av- like, he avoids contact with Demko. Right. And then as he's trying to get out of the way so Demko can, you know, make the save, do his job, whatever. Curtis Lazar is there pushing. Like, there's nowhere for him to go. I don't, I do not understand what he could have done differently. And I think that's part of what the officials need to take into account. Like, okay, so he was in this position. He put himself in this position. How could he have gotten out of it? Is there a way he could have gotten out? And out at no point. I think the answer is no on that play. So, like, that, that's that's my biggest issue with that non-goal. At no point does Stastny make contact either. I think his skate touched his pad like a little. His skate may have grazed the pad, but it the Stasny was out of the way by the time the shot is getting fired. Right. Exactly. And that's that's one of the main things in the rule book is, is the goalie has to be kept from doing his job. And I don't and he me, wasn't. I don't think he was, correct. I think you know, and the, I I don't hate the rule that they're the other team gets a power play for a failed challenge. And that may be unpopular just because of Monday night's game, but let me kind of explain why it's like, I like the rule too. You assume the risk when you challenge a goal that, you know, if you're wrong, that's a penalty losing your time out in the NHL, which is what it used to be was stupid. Cause you take a time out what, twice a year. <laughs> I mean, like teams Maybe a take little more time out, but it's just yeah. to give their players a rest, like after an icing, right, which I think is not allowed anymore either. Right. Right. So like, it's usually used just to give your team a break or at the end of the game, you know, if there's an empty net scenario, you run a play. So I, I agree. Like, it's not like the NFL where if you challenge a play, like you lose a timeout. Cause that's actually important when you need to manage the clock later in the game. Right. Right. So going on the penalty kill means like, yeah, we we assumed the risk and lost, and unfortunately, it didn't benefit the Hurricanes, and it actually hurt the Hurricanes in that scenario. But you look at that play, and you're like, man, that all we want to know is what goalie interference is. And I think if your fans are this confused, and if it's this much of a meme at this point, where you're just like every time with both this and NHL player safety, you're just like, all right, spin the wheel. Let's see what happens. That's a problem. Going back to like assuming the risk, like the problem is when you're making that gamble, you like to know at least some level of what your odds are. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I want to point out, I, I thought it was a really good job by Trip Tracy on the broadcast talking about Rod was trying to get the refs over and be like, Hey, like, I, I need to know what you guys saw. I need to know what the idea behind waving this goal off is because how the hell are you supposed to know? Cause there's no consistency. Right. None. Did the ref think that he, I, mean, I think there needs think, to be why, more. What am I challenging here? And yeah. I love that trip Tracy was calling that out during the broadcast because I thought, I mean, it was just a really great point. It's like getting a little insight into what is going through Rod Brendamore's head, trying to figure out whether or not to challenge this play. There needs to be communications with both coaches. I think anytime there's a challenge in place or anytime there's a disallowed goal. Yeah. I also, you know, the the one thing I will say is like, as fun of a sport as hockey is, the NHL does a really bad job of like making goals exciting. Because a lot of the time it's like, oh, we scored, but wait, did we? (laughs) And then there's a whole lot of times where a play will happen and the goal won't count and nobody has a clue as to why. 
or they've got different answers. And some may be partially right. Some may not be all the way wrong, or they're either really right or really wrong. But there's so many ways to interpret these calls. It, it just makes no sense to me. There just needs to be like a concrete definition of like, this is what goalie interference is. This is when it happens. This is when it's not the not goalie interference and it's not the attacking forwards fault. Right. There are instances where it's like, yeah, if the players pushed, like chances are they won't get uh like a goal disallowed. But then again, in the playoffs, when we played against Nashville, a very obvious goal was disallowed because I think it was Warren Fogel got pushed into the net. Yeah. Goalie interference is stupid. It's not going to change because the NHL, if there's one thing they love, it's staying the exact same year to year. Status quo, baby. I don't <laughs> like change. Yeah. Uh, man, I was on one during the playoffs last year for some of those calls. And I actually, <laughs> the hockey writers, a couple of people, or, you know, a couple of my bosses there had to kind of reach out and be like, you need to settle down. <laughs> it's like, okay, sorry. Part for the course for Brandon on Twitter, but you know, anyway. All right, let's move on. <laughs> on that note, um, so the first game on this little finally returning back home after the state fair road trip, they're going to see the New York Islanders. After that, very next night, they go to Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Flyers, and then it's back home two days later to see Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. To some degree, you kind of like easing into your metropolitan division schedule because you've already seen Columbus. Now you take on two more teams that I don't think anybody really expects to be in the top half. You know, I kind of, they're probably going to be three of the bottom team, three at the bottom four. Anyway, I'd guess things could change, but or I guess you got to throw the devils in there too. But anyway, um, and then obviously you turn around, you get the capitals who are a team that are probably going to make some noise as they do every year. I don't know that they're better than the hurricanes or the Rangers. So but, but you also never know. With Alexander Ovechkin's teams, you, you never know when he's just going to be superhuman like he has been his entire career and carry them to 55 wins. So going to be a really fun little three-game and three-day set. Uh, hopefully they're nice and rested, not totally out of gas by that Washington game, so they can set the tone a little bit there. But um, what are your thoughts ahead of this trio of games, my friend? Is it unreasonable to expect five out of six points? No. Nope. I don't think so. I think that is that is like ideal. Four out of six wouldn't be awful. Uh, but I think ideally you're looking at needing at least two wins in those three games, preferably all in regulation. Yeah. Uh, no three-point division games. Let's, let's not do that. <laughs> it's going to be a test. I mean, the Islanders, I don't really know what to make of them because do, you, do we still, ever is that not like an evergreen well it, it's still really early and Barry Trotz isn't their coach anymore and I really don't know enough about Lane Lambert and haven't really seen the Islanders I'm hoping that the Hurricanes will beat the crap out of Philly but for whatever reason Philly has been a tough matchup for us yeah it has and I don't know if Philly plays game, on Friday man. as well um low revenge game let me isn't he starting the season like super, super well too? Who? Tony D'Angelo. Uh, probably because he's one of their only defensemen. He's got five points in six games. Um, okay. Par for the course for him. 
Yeah. So Hurricanes really need to eat him alive defensively is the thing. Yeah, and they will. Philly is 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 going to be rested heading into that game. Uh they play against the Florida Panthers on Thursday night, but do not play Friday night. So that's another thing to take into consideration. Uh but for Rod Brindamore's teams, they don't really ever look tired in a back-to-back, you know? A lot of times they play better in those than they do on these long layoffs. So I'm honestly more worried about Friday night. <laughs> so I think we'll be okay. Um, I really think the Hurricanes are going to be in a good spot. Um, Washington's defense is odd. And I think the Hurricanes could also exploit that. So we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. It's I've been impressed with Carolina's discipline so far. I think uh, I need to see, oh, God, what's his name? Tara Vinen take a step forward this weekend. Forgot Tavo Tara Vinen's name. I'm so tired, man. I've had a long ass day. Well, considering the way he's played early in the season, I guess I can't fault you too much. Well, and he has three assists in six games. So it's like, again, he's been fine, but... You expect a lot more than you've gotten out of him. I can tell you. That. I, I, I expect turnovers on the power play for me. It's like I, yeah. I need to go back. He's got at least six or seven, like just just bad. Some of them even unforced giveaways that just make an instant clear for the opposition. It's like, dude, you got to. Well, and I think he lost his man on the uh, first yeah, JT Miller goal. He did, and he was kind of in a tough spot because for some reason Burns and Slavin both went behind the net, so he was kind of trying to defend everybody and thinking he he kind of overplayed it like it wasn't necessarily early when he should, his fault I he gotcha. should have stuck on miller but he he kind of flew up early thinking okay well now the point man's wide open i need to make sure he doesn't pass there but he moved to defend that lane a little too early and <laughs> made it way too easy to pass the miller on the back door yeah all right yep uh it is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode this week i think because it is late and again i mean there's just not really that much for us to talk about we got games going on we're still figuring out who this team is and you know, we've already broken down a lot of that. Um, but anyway, Dragon the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we are going to take just one quick minute and get a word from my friends at DraftKings. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. You can buy multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more, and you can get your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and you'll get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. Dude, it's been a rough day for you. You're talking about you're being tired, man. Like, I... I worked today and it was just like a dreary day outside. And that—that's—that's that's been my problem is the fact that it yeah. was like so dark outside, but not raining. I'm just yeah. like, I was just sitting at work, like my eyes are like closed. I'm like, dude. I'm just... Yeah, I had to, I had to put on uh, movies like just to, <laughs> just to stay awake today. 
Yeah. Um, and I keep wait, you know, I keep waking up at like three or four in the morning every night for the last like three or four nights, every single night. It's real weird. And for I me, I think my issue was I had I kept having like anxiety dreams about work, and I don't know why. Are things not going well at work, Matt? No, things are going fine. It's like shit that I finished like three weeks ago. It was a dream where like somebody was asking me like, hey, when are you going to get this to me? And I'm panicking like, why didn't I get this to them? And I have. So that's that's my life. Yeah. I'm having a blast. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get out of here, we did ask for a couple of questions. We did it like right before we came on, though. So I think we only got two. Um, <laughs> two? I only yeah. saw one. Yeah, we got two. Oh, we got a second one five minutes ago. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we can answer those in just a minute. Uh, but I do want to, we should at least touch on the Wolves a little bit. I know they got off to a little bit of a slow start this season, but it feels like they're kind of starting to get their bearings under them. They've won the last two. Um, and I know I've seen you actually talk on Twitter about a couple of performances. So I definitely do want to get into those guys a little bit. So, but just first, like on a general level, what have you seen through, what has it been, five games now? Uh, Four, I think. Four, okay. So they're five. Yeah. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a team that's still trying to find their chemistry, um, which is to be expected. You know, you've seen a couple of AHL teams get off to hot starts, and it's because, you know, for the most part, those teams are still intact. Uh, but when you take a look at the Chicago Wolves roster compared to what it was last year, you know, you've got Kochekov, who was obviously there for most I'd say like almost half the season but after that though you've got Kevin Fitzgerald who has yet to play in a game and Max Lejoie and Griffin Mendel who only played in a couple of games at the end of the year on the back end Drury is there Gundler again only played in a handful of games Matheos and he hasn't played in every game Gundler scored in the opener and he hasn't played since I was kind of wondering what was up with that I don't know it could just be he's hurt. It could be that we're trying to find a lot of rhythm. I don't I know. It's hard to believe he would score a goal in the opener and just as, as talented offensively as he is, they would just scratch him after that. So I feel like he's he could be hurt. Yeah, that's that's what I think. But obviously we get like next to nothing from the AHL. So I won't hold my breath on an update to the guys that are first and tied for second on the team in points right now. Mm-hmm. are two youngsters from Finland who I kind of expected to take a little while. And granted, it's a small sample, four games, right? right. But Anthony Haka is leading the team in points right now with a goal and three assists in four games. And Tuka Tiexla is tied for second in points with three assists in four games. And I've seen some pretty sweet little passes Tiexla has made. You know I've always had a soft spot for that kid, so I'm really excited to see him get off to a pretty solid start. And, I, I you know, he's obviously a super talented kid, so I, I think it's pretty exciting, especially considering he's been playing on, a, on the fourth line. Yeah. Um, Tiexla had a really good game on Tuesday. It was a school day game. So noon start time and just a lot of screaming children. So honestly, it was a pretty brutal listen. I'm not going to lie. Like I couldn't even listen to the game. Uh, but he had a really good performance. I think he, uh, he ended up making a couple really smart passes. Uh, he ended up having two primary assists in that game. 
uh, one on the first goal, just again, a nice, both goals were very similar in the sense where he gets the puck along the boards and just makes a great seeing eye pass to the player for the goal. First one, he's in neutral ice, makes a pass, springs Josh Melnick on a breakaway. He scores. And then the second one, he's just on the wall near the circles and makes a pass to the trailing defenseman who buries it. Honka has been pretty good. Um, the points have come. He's still a little rough defensively, but I really like his offensive game. I think he's able to man that power play and Chicago's power play. Again, they're still trying to find some chemistry, but Honka has been one of the bright spots because he can get the puck to anybody. And unfortunately that hasn't been the case with a lot of Chicago's players this year. A lot of their passes are missing. They're like just maybe a foot off. And it can be a little frustrating to watch because you can tell these players have the right idea. Like the, for example, passion and Panamarov are playing with multi Stromwall. Both of those or all of those guys could have easily had, I'd say three or four solid scoring chances in that game. If their passes were able to connect. So once this team finds its chemistry, and I think once Ryan Suzuki gets back in the lineup too, I think that's going to be a big deal because Suzuki, I think, is poised for a big year offensively. And on this team, he could really make a difference. Yeah. <clears throat> well, to your point, it's super, super early. Those guys are like so many new faces down there. You got a new young head coach with his first time coaching at this level at all. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be an adjustment. And I think two and two is best case scenario I expected through four games. So yeah, uh, talents there. I, I think we're going to have a lot of really fun games this year. I think we're going to have a lot of probably pretty rough learning moments and, you know, probably a couple of times the wolves get blown out this year, but um, overall it's, it's a really exciting team that I, I'm definitely going to be excited to follow this year because there are so many prospects that have legitimate NHL potential and like difference maker potential. So we should probably at least touch on Piotr Kochetkov as well. I mean, it's kind of easy to forget that he's down there, you know. I know he had a big game yesterday or the day before. Yeah, yesterday he had a really good game. Um, the first two games he had this season were pretty rough. Um, but again, <laughs> not all of it was his fault. I think Chicago's defense in those first two games that Piotr started were just – they were bad, man. I was – I was watching those games and I was appalled as to how bad the, some of the players played in that, in those games. Um, I won't name names because you know, all prospects are good prospects, but uh, all our Lord. prospects are going to be stars. Yes. All of our prospects are going to be stars and play at over a point per game pace at the NHL. Yeah. That's how it'd be. So with Piotr, I think the game against the stars was something I wanted to see him get back to. He was making really good saves, but he was also making the smart, simple saves. He wasn't trying to, you know. Windmill stack the pad. Yeah, and he wasn't leaving his net as much as he usually does, which is a good thing because, like, I had at the start of the game, he had he left the net once and. It it didn't result in a scoring chance, but it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, God, like, the hell are you doing, Piotr? And I don't think that happened anymore. He was very smart with how he played the puck. Um, 
he still loses his stick too frequently. I think he dropped his stick two or three times in that game, which is just really frustrating for a goalie. Um, and it makes it a lot harder to make stops. Um, but Piotr's looking good. I think that game, if we can get that sort of consistent performances from him this season, the Wolves will be fine. All right, well, before we move on to questions, any other prospects you want to shout out? Yeah, I tweeted today um, that Alexander Nikishin's two-point game moves him into second in uh, scoring for KHL defensemen. God, I need him here. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's currently tied for second with one other player, and then the other player that's ahead of them only has one more point. And both of those players are 27. So they're a solid six years older than uh, Nikishin is. Um, which is huge because that that just shows you how good Alexander Nikishin is as a prospect. Get him on the pod, man. Yeah, I don't think he speaks very much English, bro. <laughs> I kind of figured that. I'm going to be honest, especially with how things are going right now, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, banned from learning English. <laughs> banned from Zoom, too. Right? <laughs> so Simon Forsmark is another player. I, I, it, he got loaned uh, to the Swedish second-tier league this week, which, you know, seems like a bad thing. But for folks that really don't know how it works, the Swedish second-tier league is actually, like, really competitive. It's a really strong league to play in. And uh, it's the move was made. And I I love how transparent his team was with this. They were like, we see Simon as a big part of our future. We want him to play against men. This is the only option we had to do a five game loan. And he played game one today and was a plus one. And they're like, we just want him to get some experience against men. This gives him that option for the next five games. Awesome. I love that. Right. Um, apparently Gleb had three assists today. Good for him because he's he's been kind of uh, sparsely used this season, but he has five points in seven VHL games now, which is the Russian second league, which is a big deal. Um, Moro's looking really good. Uh, UMass has played some decent teams and then beat the hell out of Denver, who was the number one seed. Um Morrow looked great. I mean, he had a he had an assist against AIC. He had uh, three points against number one ranked Denver, and then three points again against Union. And Union's not very good. Um, UMass actually scored fourteen goals in those two games and allowed one. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that Morrow's performance has been really good so far. It's just something where I'm like, I don't know how much I can read into it because of the fact that three of those points came against a pretty bad union team. Right. But we did see friend of the podcast, Nathan Strauss tweet the other day and say, Scott Morrow is going to score a lot of goals at the NHL level. (laughs) Oh yeah. He's, he's, he is quite good at the hockey's. looks like his second round counterparts are off to pretty good starts as well. Alexi Hamasami zero goals last season in 47 games. This year he's got three and thirteen playing in the Liga. So yeah, I also tweeted about him today, saying that you know he already has more points this season than he did last year. Um, And obviously, you know, as we've said on this podcast, points equals good. So that's that's obviously bumping up the stock there. (laughs) But in all seriousness, you know, Hemasalmi 
struggled to contribute offensively last year. So the fact that he's gaining that confidence and is able to start, you know, building up some production, even if it doesn't show up on the score sheet, it's an encouraging sign. A player that I've actually really wanted to shout out on this podcast is Vladimir Gradinin. Okay. So he is, he is a late 03, which means he's going to be turning 19 uh, on December 9th. And he's played in 12 KHL games for one of the consistently one of the top KHL teams in uh, Cheskam, Moscow. So he scored his first KHL goal on Monday on a just beautiful shot right from like the middle of the circles. Um, he's spent time in all three leagues this year, but he's actually spent he's played 12 games out of his 18 total games in the KHL you know ice time in the KHL especially for young players is always kind of weak um, and the players usually don't get that much ice time but as of late you know um, his past three games he's gotten over 11 minutes of ice time per game and was a plus three on Monday so I think if we can start to see that sort of consistent ice time for Gradinin, I think this is going to be a really big deal. He's a really good skater and um, offensively, I think there's more to give than what we've seen so far. So he's a player to watch out for. All right. Last two players I'm going to bring up to you for rapid fire before we move on to the questions and get out of here. Sure. Two mid round picks from last year that are off to hot starts. Jackson Blake. Eight points in his first six college games. Not bad for a freshman. And Justin Robida has gone back to the queue and put up 14 points in his first nine games. Thoughts? All right, let's talk about Blake first because uh, you brought him up first. We're all about chronological order on this podcast. Among other things. Right. We're very organized. Points. Good. Right. So Jackson Blake has really he's he's been impressive I, I think his ability to to work with the puck in tight spaces spaces excuse me is incredible and he, for a player that's really small and I, I I will say he's added some weight I think he was like hovering around 150 pounds he's now at 165 which is a big deal it's a big jump he's able to evade contact relatively easily he had Quinnipiac is one of the top teams in the NCAA and he had four points in two games against them. He had a multi-point game against uh, Minnesota the other, uh, this past weekend. And then earlier on he had two points against Holy Cross. So if he's not having a multi-point effort, he's not scoring Uh, all four (laughs) of the games where he's had points has been multi-point games. So it's kind of funny, but I've loved everything I've seen from uh jackson blake so far i think he's going to be a really important player for north dakota this year and he's already getting first line minutes which is huge and as for justin robida this is par for the course for robida and i think what's impressive is that valdor is not a very good team um they're kind of average when it comes to the qmjhl but he's putting up points in he's been held scoreless in only one game so far Every other game, he has at least a point. So, oh my God. I'm just, sorry, I was just looking at his shot totals. Uh, So there have been two games where he's had seven shots. There was one where he had eight. And then his last game against uh, 
Kate Breton. He had nine shots, <laughs> which is just absurd. Um, the craziest part about that is only four of those 14 points he has are goals. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I mean, he's he's always been a sneaky good playmaker, and I think, you know, but part shot, of what he's... It pops every time I see it. It does, but part of part of what I love about Robodah is that he's so smart and can find offense in other ways. And he's one of those players, and we saw, we sort of saw this at the Prospect Showcase. I, I think once he gets a little better and maybe even gets some pro experience, you'll see this on display a little bit more. He's really good at making his line mates better and finding ways to get them the puck in dangerous areas. So I think that's a big deal. I think uh, Robida, this is the production I expect from him this year, especially in the QMJHL. And the rumor has been that he's going to be traded to Quebec uh, after Christmas. Like, I don't know why it's been rumored for this long, but uh, if he gets put on that Quebec team, I think Robida could be hovering around a solid one and a half point per game pace like he is right now. All right. And to wrap things up, we'll put a nice tight little bow on this evening. Make sure I have enough time to get this out for you before uh, the Hurricanes take on the Islanders on Friday. Um, Let's take some fan questions. All two of them. Yep. AKA both. This first question is from Brendan who asks, what player's performance is the most reflective of their 82-game season? Um, Andre Spechnikol. Um, Spechnikol. Spe- I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I got ahead of myself there. Um, Andre Spechnikov, definitely going to score around 65 goals. Wouldn't that be nice? God. He looks so damn good, man. Um, I think it's Sebastian Ajo, man. Like, I, I do really want to say Sveshnikov because, God, he's been good, and I would love to see him just compete for the Richard Trophy and be the utterly dominant power forward he's capable of being. But I feel more confident in saying Sebastian Ajo has taken yet another step forward. He's been so good, man. I mean, just dynamic, extremely confident and aggressive with the puck. He, he seems like a guy that wants to take command more this year. Like, that's something that he's done in flashes in years past, but I feel like every time he's on the ice, he's almost more of a presence. Does that make any sense to you? Like, I just feel like he, he seems very, very confident in his abilities and seems like he wants to take the league by storm. Like, he's pissed off from that Rangers series last year, and he's ready to carry this team to a Stanley Cup, kicking and screaming if he has to. <laughs> I'm going to say Svetch. And I don't think he's going to be, you know, on a 96 goal pace like he is now. Is it that much? Yeah. Yeah. He's on pace for 96 goals goals and 27 assists. Yeah, I forgot. He actually has more goals than games played right now. Damn. So, Svetch, I I do expect to be hovering around the 80 80 to 85 point mark this year. Yeah, I think so, too. I would not be surprised. Um I think, you know, obviously getting him up to that 100-point mark would be crazy and amazing, but I think we're still a year away from that. Yeah. All right, next question is from Blake Morgan, who asks, with the second power play quarterback still being felt out, do you see Chatfield getting a chance and think he would, or think he would be a good fit? So I'm going to take this answer first because I think, simply put, no. <laughs> Chatfield 
gets involved in the play and can create some chances, but he doesn't get pucks through and he's not really a shooter. Like his shot isn't a threat. And whereas with Coglin, you're getting a consistent shot that's a threat and then you're getting, you know, some solid playmaking. And Chatfield can fire the puck, but it's not really that dangerous of a shot. Whereas with Coglin, you know, there's, I don't know, it's just better. I think Coglin... Coglin has the kind of shot that can actually beat a goalie from distance. Yeah. The issue, I think, with with the power play two right now is, like, none of those three defensemen, uh, including Calvin DeHaan, have been bad this year. Yeah. So if you take Coglin out of the lineup in favor of DeHaan, you kind of have to put either Pesci or Shea on the power play, and neither of those guys are offensive players. And you don't really want Slavin on the second power play unit because then you're just playing him like 30 minutes a night. And I love Jacob Slavin, but I want him to make it to game 82, you know? Right. So I just... I, I don't see Chatfield being the answer on the power play. I, I And it's not just his shot. I just think... I don't think he's a power play guy. And I don't even think he he's was a, motor a power guy. play in junior. He's a motor guy. He's, yeah. he's a lot like Brock McGinn. He's a guy that his energy and his compete level gets him into positions, even, even offensively, to like jump into the rush and, and help create. And he does have a little bit of skill. Like he's made some really nice passes and some heady plays, but Dylan Coglin is more of a guy with vision, with hockey IQ and that end that just poses more of a threat. He, I'm more confident in his ability to hit seam passes. He hit Jesper. He should have had a beautiful assist to Jesper Kokaniemi a couple games ago on the back door. But that was the play that it hit. Um, who was it? Oh, it was Brandon Tana. So it was against the Kraken. Yeah. Uh, hit Kokaniemi with a beautiful seam pass on the back door. He had an empty net. Brandon Tanov just happened to be standing in the net. Coughlin has that ability to make those plays. And he has probably, I mean, he's probably right up there with Brent Burns for hardest slap shot on the team. Even yeah. though NHL 23 will tell you it's Andre Sveshnikov. I will say Svech, I, I have, he's, he's taken more one-timers this year. I will say. He has a cannon. I love it. It's great. But yeah, for, for me, it's, it's, it should be Chatfield's game. I just don't know what the ice time distribution or dressed game distribution should be, should I say. Like, I've loved the way he's played, but it's hard to take DeHaan or Chatfield, either one, definitely not Chatfield, out of the lineup the way they've played. So it's a tough Chatfield spot. is best used on the PK and at even strength. Yeah, yeah. We're in agreement there. Yeah. And the thing is, he he has never been the best offensive player in junior he was never like his best year was 2016 when he had 37 points in 68 games in the ahl with utica for three years before uh he was in vancouver for a year he had seven points six points and four points so 17 points in over 100 ahl games prior to signing with carolina one point in 18 games and then last year three and 16 with the hurricanes so i think yes he's grown offensively and right now like you're starting to see him develop and be a better offensive player mm-hmm. but i don't think that's going to translate to power play time he's just not the kind of guy that's going to break you down like with stick handling and passing ability and and vision like right i mean like it, putting him on the power play would be equivalent to pesci in my opinion yeah i agree 
Anyways. I love that we said, let's keep it a shorter episode and 30 <laughs> minutes later, we are... Uh, we still end up in an hour. Thank right. you to everybody that submitted your questions. We are sorry we waited so late. So if you did have questions, sorry, we'll get you on the next one. Right. I know I know another person named Nick also had a question. And I feel bad that we're missing him two weeks in a row, but that's just well, how it be. DM us. They're open. Right. You, you, anybody can slide into the DMs at any time. Yeah, that's asking for trouble, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, folks, I think that's going to do it. Brandon and I are both having a very sleepy day, so I think we're going to log off for the night. Folks, thank you so much for hanging out with us this year. It's already been a fun year. We're 4-1-1, starting the season off strong. Can't wait for this, uh, you know, 3-4 and four this weekend with two home games. And, folks, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.